You're listening to Best Life After Cancer, episode number five. Welcome to Best Life After Cancer. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where cancer survivors and caregivers can get solutions and support to overcome the life challenges brought by their cancer diagnosis. If you are ready to release your fear, regain your joy, and reduce your risk, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Blitzbach. Hello, and welcome back. This is episode five. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Today, we are going to talk about body image. This is such a loaded topic for many people, even without the cancer card. Today, we are going to look at how changes in body image affect daily life and how to deal with three types of body image changes. The term body image means different things to different people. So I started this week by looking up the official definition of the term. Google describes body image as the subjective picture or mental image of one's own body. Cancer.net describes body image as how a person views himself or herself. Because of the many physical and emotional changes after a cancer diagnosis, people may experience both positive and negative changes to their self-image. Today, we are going to focus more on physical changes. We discussed some emotional changes in earlier podcasts, and we'll come back to them in the future. Both cancer and its treatment may change how you look. Many people with cancer feel self-conscious about changes in their bodies. Some of the most common changes are hair loss, weight loss or gain, surgical changes, including loss of body parts or scars, and need for an ostomy, which is an opening from the body that allows waste to exit the body into a bag. A colostomy is an opening that empties stool, and a urostomy is an opening that empties urine. Other types of body image changes that are physical but not visible include fatigue, neuropathy, and changes in cognitive function. In my mind, I see these changes in one's body as falling into one of three types. First are things that likely will change but will take time. Second are things that you may not be able to or definitely can't change. Third are things that only you can change. These also are often not quick but are only under your control, so only you can decide when the time is right or not. As always, I'm a doctor, but not your doctor, and none of these suggestions should overrule any recommendations from your primary team. Okay, let's do this. First, let's talk about physical changes that will improve, but will take time. These include hair loss, skin changes from radiation, rashes from medication or chemotherapy, fatigue, neuropathy, and cognitive changes. Men, we ladies are going to talk hair for now, so feel free to fast forward about a minute here if you don't really care how your hair did or didn't grow back. For the vast majority of people, hair will regrow after chemotherapy. It may come back very different than how it was before chemotherapy, though, and most people have thoughts about that. I have seen people whose hair was curly come back straight, and those with straight hair come back really curly. I remember a young woman when I was a resident who had super straight hair before chemotherapy, and after it was ringlet curls. She, like most of us with straight hair, was used to brushing her hair multiple times a day. I know that all of you with really curly hair right now are cringing, knowing what I'm about to say. When she brushed her hair, it stood out around her head like the white fluff on a dandelion gone to seed. She was able to laugh about it, but she told me that it felt like that really awkward phase in middle school 
When you start caring about how you look, but have no real idea how to make yourself look good yet, we all had that phase. I'm an 80s girl. I graduated from high school in the late 80s. So, you know, for me, it was trying to make my super straight hair big and also some unfortunate blue eyeshadow. But back to post-cancer hair. For many people, the new hair may come in gray when it wasn't before, and this may make you feel so much older. It may be thinner or less compliant with your plans. These things seem to many people who haven't ever had cancer like they should be no big deal. I mean, how many times have you had someone say, I bet you're just glad to have hair? It seems to me that most people on some level are glad to have hair, but at the same time, they grieve the loss of their old hair. Here is a place where I advocate patience and being aware of your thoughts. Recognizing that you miss your old hair and that that is normal and okay is key here. You can't change the new hair overnight, but you can lean into missing it and accept that it is okay to miss it. On a quick aside, I always tell patients that it really makes things look better if you trim up your hair as it grows in. See the hairdresser, have them trim out your ears, and keep it from looking shaggy, and you go from poor cancer patient to super hip girl who can rock a short haircut. If you have had radiation to your head, it is more variable. It may grow back, or there may be patches that don't grow back or it may remain sparse and thin permanently. In this case, you need to decide whether you want to live with what you have or go to a wig permanently. Whatever choice you decide is the right one, but you should make that decision and then move on. Either love yourself with the hair that isn't what it was, or choose a wig and decide that you will love the wig for the ease of always having hair that looks good. One of the things I have been surprised by in the past, some of my African-American friends seem to always have great hair. One in particular always looked like she just left the salon. I commented once and she laughed and told me, silly girl, it's a wig. Of course it looks great every day. She looked awesome and I had no idea. Her hair had really thinned and she had decided to go the wig route and rock it. I'm an oncologist and I think I recognize whenever a person is wearing a wig, but she fooled me. All cancer patients have that option but you have to decide to do it and then find what you love about the wig and focus on that instead of using it as a reason to beat yourself up and hate on yourself. In addition to hair changes, skin changes commonly happen after radiation. For most people, redness and blistering are better by two weeks, but tanning follows the redness just like it does after a sunburn, and this can take months to slowly fade. Some people may have permanent darkening. Chemotherapy and some types of immunotherapy are more likely to give rashes than redness. The same is true with skin changes as with hair changes. It is common to have them. You may not love them, but focus on being aware of your thoughts and feelings and keep in mind that it will get better. Once you get to about six months after treatment, the skin is likely where it will stay, and then you need to work on accepting it and not hating yourself for it. I will go through how to work on not hating these parts of ourselves a bit later in this podcast. Next in the list of what will get better is fatigue. This will naturally slowly improve after treatment completes, but I do really encourage people to try to get back to their pre-cancer baseline in terms of activity. I find that people never feel as good as they did pre-cancer if they do not regain the same level of physical fitness. This is clearly something you have to work up to. You can't just jump back into doing what you did if you did very little for three months. Start slow, work your way up, listen to your body and your doctors. Consider asking your team about PT if you need help getting moving again. Neuropathy is pain or numbness in the fingers and toes. 
it is much more common after chemotherapy than radiation. I put this in the category of likely will get better with time, but it is possible for it to be permanent as well. Neuropathy can really affect quality of life. It is a physical sensation, and that part you cannot change. But if you don't add an emotional component to the pain, you can avoid adding insult to injury. If you are angry about the pain, then you often resist or react to that anger, and that leads to things like overeating, overdrinking, yelling at family or friends, and so on. We talked a lot about that in the first podcast. Many times, neuropathy can be helped with medication, so that is one thing I definitely recommend you talk to your doctors about. In our practice, we have a life care group that helps manage the side effects of cancer and its treatment, and I have found that to be such a benefit for our patients. Neuropathy is something that may take months after treatment is complete to get as good as it's going to get, so patience is the key here as well. If you have it and find you're reacting to it in an emotional way, check out Podcast 2 to help with the emotional reaction to the pain. Cognitive changes are common after chemotherapy and have a community-derived nickname of chemobrain. This also usually improves with time. Same for this as with all others, patience and compassion for yourself while it's improving. This is one place where type A people really like to beat themselves up. They know they used to be able to do things like remember all of their appointments or go to the store with no grocery list. Now they can't, and they use it as an excuse to berate and criticize themselves. I can't tell you enough times, that is not helpful. It doesn't bring your brain back online quicker, and it just makes you miserable while your brain is healing. And let's be clear, it is healing, just like your body is healing. Have some compassion for it. The second type of body image changes are most likely permanent. These include permanent skin and hair changes from radiation, scars, removal of body parts, and ostomies. It is unlikely to impossible that you can change this, and these things are often a huge challenge for people in terms of their happiness and their appearance. This is a place where I think we need to work on slowly changing our beliefs about how we look. This is not a quick process. We cannot go from I hate my body to I love my body overnight. It is a stepwise process and requires work and commitment. This is one of the things life coaching is perfect for. The way you do it is twofold. You have to become aware of the thoughts you are having about your body and also the thoughts you are having about other people's bodies in ways that they are better than your body. The way we do this is by paying attention to the running dialogue in your head. Podcast 2 will help you with finding your thoughts. Once you are aware of your thoughts, you will make a list of thoughts that you will use to go from I hate my body to I love my body. You use these thoughts as a ladder to get from one place to the other. I'm going to share something I'm really self-conscious of and how I'm working on this in my life. It actually totally freaks me out to say this on a podcast with lots of people listening to it. Like saying this makes me a failure and less as a woman. I have cellulite on my legs. For years, I hated to wear shorts or a bathing suit because I thought it looked awful. My brain told me that was all people saw when they looked at me in a bathing suit. I am still working on my feelings about my legs, but here are the thoughts I am using in my ladder. I started at, I hate my legs, and I worked through, some people have cellulite and think their legs are okay. Some people have cellulite and still like their legs. Other people might think my legs are okay, even though they have cellulite. Other people might like my legs. It is possible I could not hate my legs. Sometimes I like my legs despite the cellulite. Often I like my legs. I almost always like my legs. 
Some days I love my legs. I practice awareness when I see people with perfect legs and feel jealousy. When you work on your latter thoughts, you write them out and start with the first one. When you think my mastectomy scar or colostomy are disgusting, you have awareness and then tell yourself, nope, I am thinking my scar looks awful, but not everyone hates their scar. When you believe this, you move to your next step. The next step might be, I hate my scar, but it is possible that not everyone would hate it if I showed it to them. When you believe this, you move on to the next rung. Personally, I do not know if I can ever get to I love my legs. I've worked on this for a while, and I am at most of the time I like my legs. One of the exercises I have done that has really worked for me is what I call the pick three of four challenge. In this challenge that I made up for myself, I pick three things that I love about myself and one thing I hate. And I really think, would I swap out that one thing I hate for one of the things I love? This may not work for everyone, but when you think you would always have something you dislike and you just swap one for another, it sometimes makes you feel a bit better about the things you don't love. For me, I think I have a smart brain, a pretty face, nice hair, and crappy legs. I know I can't have everything perfect, so I imagine that if I was able to choose, I would have to give up one of the things I really love in order to have perfect legs. I ask myself, would I want to give up one of those three things I do really like? The answer is always no. I remind myself that almost every woman has something she hates. She is thinking how jealous she is of other people's hair or skin or breasts or brain or face or legs or nails or whatever. You also can work on things you love about your body. And ask your brain to focus on what you do love instead of what you don't. Remember, it's fair game to try to choose a better thought. Resisting, reacting, or avoiding the feelings those thoughts create, though, is off limits. Here is one of the thoughts that patients share that I think is particularly useful. Some patients tell me their scars are how they know they are a warrior, and it makes them feel fierce. I love fierce. It's such an empowered feeling. I know there are women who choose no reconstruction and love their bodies just as they are after cancer. This is a movement called the Go Flat Movement, and there was a really great article in the New York Times about it in 2016. I will post a link to the article on the Facebook page if you want to check it out. Just a little laugh, this should not be confused with the Flat Earth Movement that also comes up when you Google Go Flat. That is the movement of people who truly believe the earth is flat and are trying to convince others of this as well. Go figure. Finally, we get to things we can change, but only you can change them. The part of body image that I think this applies most to is weight. Many people gain weight after cancer treatment. This is multifactorial. In part, it can be due to changes in metabolism or hormonal status. It can be due to changes in patients' activity levels. But most often, I think it is from buffering to avoid negative emotions related to cancer diagnoses. While you are working on getting back to your pre-cancer fitness level, you can also begin to work on allowing emotions instead of eating to stuff them down. Only you can change your weight, and you have to decide if you want it badly enough to allow the competing urge to eat and drink to feel better in the moment. One of the quotes I have heard from Corinne Crabtree the Facebook guru who helps women who have more than 100 pounds to lose, say, is that food only fixes one thing, and that is true physical hunger. Anything else you are trying to fix with food will still be there 20 minutes after eating the food. So true. 
I am planning at least a monthly podcast focused on weight loss topics because it is so common after cancer treatment. And I am also working on an online weight loss class for cancer patients as well, so stay tuned. But a brief summary, if you really want to get to work on weight loss. I am a huge believer in intermittent fasting, and I learned the technique from the book The Obesity Code by Dr. Fung. I really believe that cutting out flour and sugar reduces our urges to eat and makes this work of allowing urges much easier. These two things, intermittent fasting and cutting out the vast majority of my flour and sugar, have led to me losing 40 pounds and keeping it off. Plan ahead what you are going to eat and then stick with the plan you made. I plan all of my food from Monday to Friday on Sunday and then Saturday and Sunday on Friday morning when I know a little more what the weekend plans are. I have one joy eat per week, which is one serving of whatever I want, chosen at least 24 hours in advance. Unlike my mentors, I have chosen not to follow a protocol on vacation, and I get back to following my plan hardcore as soon as I get home, and I increase my fasting both in number of days and the length of the intervals when I get back to get the weight off quickly. Okay, in summary today, changes in your body may be temporary or they may be permanent. You need to allow yourself time to adjust and be patient with the changes in your body. Accepting a cancer diagnosis and undergoing treatment will change your life. It takes time to adapt, so treat yourself with compassion and kindness. Let me repeat that. Your brain, your nerves, and body can't go back to normal any quicker than they are, so have compassion for yourself and love yourself along the way instead of hating yourself for this. For many, it is helpful to talk with others who have been in similar situations. I have a private group on the Best Life After Cancer MD Facebook page, where survivors can join and we can talk about these things. If that is not for you, then one-on-one conversations or attending support groups with people who have been in the same situation can provide understanding and hope. As hard as it is, I really encourage a bit of humor about your situation. Anything you can find to laugh about will help you deal with all of this better. If the changes in your body are permanent, use latter thoughts to become more accepting of the changes. Take each step along the ladder, Practice it until it is second nature and your go-to thought, and then move to the next thought in the ladder. If it is something like weight that only you can change, decide when you want to move forward and fully commit. For June, I am going to be starting a weight loss challenge on my Facebook page. I have only gained a bit with the pandemic, but I'm not being as focused and consistent with my decisions as I was before this, so you can join me in getting on track. There is motivation as a group, so let's attack this part of our body image together. Thanks so much for joining me today, and I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thanks for listening to Best Life After Cancer. I would really appreciate it if you could write a review on Apple Podcasts. This allows other patients to find me more easily. You can also find more information on my Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD. On the Facebook page, there is a group for survivors and caregivers where you can ask questions or make suggestions for the podcast. I look forward to interacting with you there. Thanks so much for joining me today, and I look forward to speaking with you again soon.